Amen. Amen. Man, thank you so much, worship team, for leading us this morning. Uh, I, was, I commented to the first service that, that it's amazing how, how the Lord just puts songs at times that, that really uh, allow us to worship Him at a spot where we're at. Uh, and today was one of those days for me. I'm super thankful that I get to serve beside you, Will, and the rest of the rest of my bandmates uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, we've got a couple of great things going on at our church. I want to take just a minute or two to talk about some of those. We're thankful for everybody that, that came this morning. We're thankful for you. Uh, appreciate you coming uh, to hear what God would have for us today. Uh, one of the things that's coming up is, uh, is our concession stand. You're going to hear some of these things in the announcements. I just want to put a little bit of meat to some of these things that we do. Uh, we started working in the concession stands when we planted our church as a way for us to be in the community for the community. Uh, this, this is an opportunity for some of us, if we don't have kids in sports, to go and relieve some of the parents that are in sports uh, so that they can go out and actually watch and enjoy their kids while they're playing ball. And they certainly appreciate it. The quarterback club always tells us how grateful they are for that. Um, and, and the parents that are involved in that, they appreciate that too. It's just, I, I can't imagine, uh, I, well, this past week for the first time, uh, my, my kids were on their, their t-ball teams. Dan, Daniel's in coach pitch and Maggie's in t-ball. And for the very first time, they had a game scheduled at the same time. And it was just heart-wrenching for me to be coaching on Maggie's field and having to pull out my phone every five minutes to see if Sarah had texted another update for what Daniel had been doing on his field. I, I couldn't stand that. And, and so this is a way for us to be able, for those who have made it to the high school level, uh, for us to relieve some of those parents to be able to go out and watch and enjoy that. Uh, it's a way for us. We wear our blue shirts. People get to see us. We get to talk to an audience for 30 seconds to a minute about who they are, what they're doing. They get to see us wearing our North shirts, and it's an opportunity for us to plant that seed. And until all the people in Elkmont, we can say, assuredly have been saved and found in Jesus, we still owe it to them to take our church out to them in the community. All right, so the next thing that's going on, another community event the day after that is going to be... October 22nd, we're going right down there in front of the old red caboose. We're going to have uh, a community fest with Elkmont. It's the town of Elkmont putting it on, but man, church, they have allowed us a very, very significant investment in this opportunity for us to have a presence doing cotton candy, face painting, balloon rides. Uh, the Will Stutz Band is going to be playing that night, uh, doing some country music favorites. Uh, so so y'all come out, enjoy it, but don't just enjoy it. Come be a part of it and serve and be a part of what we're doing to invest in getting the gospel out to our neighbors in Elkmont. And then lastly, I want to bring attention to November 6th. Uh, there's no announcements on this yet, but you may have seen about this on Facebook the Lindsay Lane, all three campuses together are doing an event called Church on the Road. We're going to do a uh, church service on Sunday night, November 6th, over at West Limestone High School. Very similar to the service that we pulled off in the gym uh, this Easter. Uh, we're going to go set up with a portable setup. We're going to need folks to help serve in areas like preschool, kids, parking, uh, hospitality, setup, and production. All sorts of those things. This is not an all-hands-on-deck kind of thing. We actually kind of want to gauge the interest to see if there is uh, any reapable harvest ready to go in, in, in Salem right now. But we do want, uh, for those of you who are interested in being a part of that, to jump on the team and just let stop by Next Steps and give them your name and tell them you want to be a part of Church on the Road. And we'll get in contact with you over the next couple of weeks as we 
finalize what our teams look like and start to put some structure around what that service is going to look like. I've heard some of the, some of the bits and nuggets. I think it's going to be a really, really great night, and I'm excited to see God continuing to do a work in Limestone County through our church. I think it's so cool uh, to see that. All right, so I want to talk this morning. I, I told the first service, this is as nervous as I've been standing up here. Uh, this is my fourth opportunity so far. It's the most nervous I've had by far. Uh, and it's because we're in a series on giving. And today we're talking about the sermon messages, the obedience in giving. All right. We're, we're okay knowing what giving is. We're okay knowing or we think we know what giving is. We're going to look at some terms and definitions that I think we get mixed up. And the reason I think we get them mixed up is because I got them mixed up. So I apologize if I'm inappropriately casting my ignorance on you. But I think that I'm not alone in saying that I get these terms mixed up from time to time. So we're going to take a look at some of those. Uh, Pastor Allen is out today. Uh, he is in an undisclosed location. Um, if you happen to know what that location is, please continue to keep it undisclosed uh, because we don't want to hamper the progress of our international missionaries being able to go and serve places uh, like the place he's serving. But I did talk to him this morning. He said things are going really, really well. Uh, they're able to make an impact uh, in the area that he's serving in. Uh, they're able to, uh, he's over there serving some pastors uh, right now. And, and they're, um, he was real pleased with the work that he's been able to participate in as far as that goes. Uh, he said, he also told me to tell you all that he is eating very, very well uh, where he is. So uh, he, was, he was excited. That was, I'm serious. That was one of the things he pointed out in his text message to me. Uh, but he is doing well. Continue to pray for him. Pray that God would do an increased work where they are. Um, that God, the gospel will continue to go further uh, in the area that he is in. All right. And then lastly on the admin list, man, I'm never going to get to my introduction. Y'all going to have to listen pretty fast today if we're going to get done on time. Okay. Uh, the last thing on admin is men's and women's groups. Men's groups are meeting tonight uh, at 630. And if you want more information on that, six o'clock. So if you get there at 630, you'll miss dinner. Get there at 6 o'clock. Stop by Next Steps for more information on that. We're doing Experiencing God. We've started. We're two. This will be week three, but you're not too late. And I'm telling you, if weeks three through 12 are as good as week one and two, you don't want to miss this. This is a really good opportunity to hang out with some men and be a part of studying the Word of God together in a way that is, quite frankly, incredibly challenging to us in our walk with God. Uh, and the ladies, you will pick up again next week. A lot of our ladies are going to the Women of Joy Conference this week in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, and they're having a good time. I've seen the pictures, uh, and they, they, uh, they are really, really having a good time this week. So, did I forget anything? No? I hope not. I want to, yeah, I did. Finally. Again, finally. Uh, the Give to Go uh, cards are in the back. Uh, this is something we started last week, uh, but if you were unable to make a pledge to Give to Go, uh, this is the offering that funds all of our mission work throughout the year. Uh, pick up one of these cards. Tell us uh, what, we can, what you are willing to invest in missions as our church sees it with our missions partners, uh, Neighborhood Bridges, Church at the Oaks in Tuscaloosa, and Favor City Church in Las Vegas, and a soon-to-be-identified, I believe, foreign or international missionary partner uh, that we're excited to get started with that as well. And it also pro uh, helps to go towards funding some of our big-time mission projects like the Alabama State Board of Missions, the North American Mission Board that funds missionaries all over the country in the Southern Baptist Church, and the International Mission Board, which is what Pastor Allen is working with this week, serving missionaries that are getting the gospel to the ends of the earth uh, from where we see it. So 
If you have not invested in that, I, I ask that you prayerfully consider what you would invest in that. And as we get ready to talk about giving, I mentioned we get some of these words mixed up sometimes. I, one of my mentors was telling me a story or somebody I served with about 10 years ago as he was wrestling with the call to the ministry. He, he said he got ready to go to his annual performance evaluation at work, uh, which we all know that those are just really wonderful events on both sides, on the, on the receiving end and on the giving end. Nobody really likes the performance evaluation. Um, but he was getting ready for it, and he laid out to his boss what he was wrestling with. He said, look, I really believe God is calling me into the ministry, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with when, what that looks like. And he said, my boss looked at me and goes, well, we're pretty pleased with the work you're doing. I tell you what, uh, if, it, if it'll help sway you one way or the other, uh, you know, we're prepared to give you a nominal raise if you'll stay. And he says, well, wow, that sounds wonderful. And he goes home and he tells his wife, he goes, I, I, I really feel like I have some clarity on this. My boss said that he's going to give me a nominal raise. And his wife goes, well, that's great. I mean, like, how, how, how much is that? And so neither one of them knew what the word nominal meant. So they pull out a dictionary, which for those of you born before 2000, back in the 1900s, the dictionary was a book we used to use that you would look up a word and it would tell you what the word meant. Nowadays, you just use Google to find that information out. But again, those, man, that sounds so old, back in the 1900s. Wow, gee whiz. Um, they pull out the dictionary and find out that the word nominal means trivial or insignificant. So this man's boss, in his sales pitch to keep him on board, said, we will give you an insignificant raise if you will stay. Well, now that we know the meaning of the word, his, his joy was greatly deflated, and, uh, and, and he made decisions afterward based on, on the knowledge of what that word meant. There was another situation. As soon as Pastor Allen told me what I was teaching on, uh, one thing came into my mind. Um, and, and by the way, I, I really, I, I gave testimony to this last time I taught. I'll give a testimony again. Uh, when Alan told me that I was preaching today, he said, yeah, you're just going to do a one-off series. Uh, it'll be a one-off. And, um, you know, that's not my favorite thing to do. I'd rather be in a series where we're methodically going through from beginning to end something. And, and he, he says, no, nah, just a one-off's fine. And I prayed and prayed and I couldn't get any direction. Like, Last Sunday morning at 6.30, I had no idea what I was going to be talking about today until Alan texted me, unbeknownst to him, and says, you know what, I actually, God has laid on my heart, we're going to do a three-part series on giving. Uh, so you'll be able to continue this, and here's what you're going to speak on. And instantly, the inspiration started to flow. It's it just, just a testimony to God of how he protected me from confusing myself can protect me from doing a bunch of work that would not be useful at this point and and really prepared the way for me to be able to share what I have today um, but as soon as I as soon as I heard this uh, this video clip came to mind so media team won't y'all uh won't y'all show this to us I thought that uh, that the office would make Sunday morning right um, you ever find yourself in that situation where people are using words and you're, you're embarrassed to say you don't know what they mean, but you don't really know what they mean. You ever been there? I've been there. Uh, it, and it's, you know, either, either people talk about them so freely that you're embarrassed to say, like, I, I really don't understand what you're saying. Or maybe you think you understand what they're saying and what your understanding is is nothing close to what they're saying. Um, now, the, yeah, the conclusion of that was, was kind of hilarious too. Um, but um, for those of you Office fans out there, uh, man. One for the team right there. 
Um, today, I want us to look at the obedience of giving. And before, as we do that, I want us to define some terms. The first term we want to define is the tithe. All right, we hear this word in church a lot. How many of you have heard the word tithe in a context outside of church? Outside of church, tithing outside of church. Yeah, a couple of you. Um, most of us, most of the rest of us, the tithe is something that I've, I always hear it in context of church uh, and church giving and, and what we do here on Sunday mornings or at another church uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, it's a word that just means a tenth. Right? And, and as you look in the Bible in the Old Testament, you'll see times that, that the words tithe and tenth are used almost interchangeably in the same breath um, because that's what the word means. There's no ambiguity here. You, know, it, that you don't have to, have to wonder, well, do I give, you know, does, should I tithe 5%? Should I tithe 7%? I mean, should I, should I give 10% on 7%? Should, should I offer 5% as my 10%? You know, that doesn't stand to reason um, because the word means one-tenth. Uh, look at Leviticus 27.30 where the Bible says in the law, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. All right, so this is, this is one of many instances in the Old Testament where God talks about the tithe. He talks about it uh, in terms of the grain harvest, which, by the way, that was how the Israelites sustained themselves. You know, they weren't at that time necessarily commercial workers. They didn't work for wages at that time. They tilled and worked the land that God was, well, they would eventually till and work the land that God gave them for the harvest to be able to feed themselves. And that's what God says. The first tenth of this, you're going to bring this in and you're, you're going to give it to me, all right? And Numbers 18.21 tells us why that is. Uh, Numbers 18.21 says, as for the tribe of Levi, which, by the way, that's a tribe that God, you know, the, when we say tribes of Israel, we're talking about the brothers that were sons of Jacob, okay? And so one of these brothers, Levi, God set apart that family as priest to be his priest to, to take care of everything that he had set forth that needed to be done in the temple, so in verse 3, it says, As for those people, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. So we see what God's command is to tithe. Now he actually gives us insight as to why he has a tithe set up. He has this tithe set up to sustain the people that he has working in the temple. Okay? So this, this tithe is set up to take care of the needs of those people who were not given land to work. All right. Uh, that's, that's why the principle remains the same today. We take the tithes that are, that are presented and we use those to, to budget out the needs for what happens here in this building with the people in this building and the resources, you know, the, the, the ongoing work of our church is through the tithe. All right, I want to point out something else. It's not in your notes. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 4. It says, you must also give the priests the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool shearing at the wool shearing time. Um, the first share. This, this speaks to, there, there's a, a, a term that you may have heard called the first fruits or first fruits offering. This is something that happened in the Old Testament as God talks about giving the tithe, as he talks about presenting an offering, he typically talks about doing that out of the first fruits. 
That means the very first of the harvest, which, by the way, would have been some of the best of the harvest. Of some of the first and best, you're going to take that right off the top. And that's why, you know, I stand up here and I tell you that, that we give online, my, me and my family, and we do. But when we give online, we actually give through an automatic recurring payment. Um, and, you know, we live on a very predictable income. So every other week, I know exactly what's coming in and I know exactly what ought to be going out. And so instead of leaving it to me to, to, to be able to, to chance for getting it or, you know, decide I don't want to that week, I have it set up automatic that right now it's, it's determined that 10% out of that is going straight to the tithe to our church. I get an email after it happens and then I worship as soon as I get that email, praising God for providing once again for our family. I don't leave it to something that I get to decide. Uh, it's already decided. It's, uh, for those of you that were in the Money Matters series, you heard me say this, the tithe is line item number one in our budget. Even though I know taxes and insurance and things like that come out of my paycheck before I get it, uh, the first thing as soon as I get my hands on the money comes right here. Um, to carry on the work of the church that we have, have before us. All right, something else that's very interesting in this, uh, a question that I had when I was a younger Christian, well, what about, what about pastors? Do they have to tithe? Like, because they're getting paid out of tithe money. Should they tithe? Uh, God knew that question would come up, and he actually answered it. Uh, so in Numbers verse, chapter 18, verse 26, he says, give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people Israel the tithes I have assigned, give a tenth of the tithes, a tithe of the tithes, to the Lord as a sacred offering. So, so God answers that question in no uncertain terms. Not only are you asked to tithe in obedience to God, so are the pastors that stand on the stage here. They are also asked to tithe in obedience to God's command. Uh, it's not negotiable. It's not something that, that is an option. All right, God never presents this as an option of choices. All right, so we've got the tithe defined. Let's talk about giving. All right, this is, this is what we, um, this is where the train starts to get off the tracks, I think, with some of us. Giving is choosing to bestow upon someone else something that's rightfully yours. All right, that's in your notes. The reason I think the train gets off the track here is because we talk about, well, tithing is Old Testament and giving is New Testament, Right? That is not what the Bible says, all right? And we're going to look at that. Check out what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. Give generously to the poor. Give, don't tithe. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That's why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. So this concept of giving, this is not, this giving has nothing to do with, with actually the church being able to meet its function, with the temple being able to function. This is all about the people of Israel serving outside of the context of the temple, giving to others in the name of God, all right? And to put that in a New Testament concept, giving in the name of Jesus. For us to give sacrificially, for us to give with something that costs us, to meet a tangible need that we see. This is, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about uh, you know, meeting, meeting needs through something like world vision, all right? 
And I, I shared this with the first service. Uh, there was a time when I decided on my own volition that I was going to stop tithing to the church because I was mad at that church. And I was going to start giving my 10% through World Vision International, which is a great organization. They've had some questionable moments in time. But generally speaking, a great organization that goes out and reaches kids in need throughout the world both with their physical needs and with the gospel of Christ, not only for the kids, but the families involved as well. Um, that is an incredibly wonderful organization that was not the appropriate recipient for my tithe. All right. And had God really impressed that on me. Now, you know, I don't know what parts of that were, were God and what parts weren't because I was operating in my own actions anyway. But had that come from God, this would be giving. Something like that would be giving. That would be me taking of what is mine and giving it to someone that I see a need in. God has called us to do that, but this is not a New Testament principle. This is Deuteronomy. This is God speaking through Moses, giving this instruction out. Giving is not something that was created to replace the tithe. All right, that's very important that we understand that. Giving is not a concept that was invented to replace the tithe. Giving stood right alongside the tithe the entire time Moses was giving the law. Giving is to meet a specific need. And by the way, we just, there's no passages that tell us that if you see a need, go ahead and forego your tithe this time around, this year of your harvest. Instead of bringing your tithe to the, to the church, to the temple, take that tithe and go and distribute it to, to the poor around you. He doesn't do that. The, the giving goes along with the tithe in every case. As you're filling out these give to go pledges, this is not a replacement of your tithe, okay? This is not something that you say, well, all right, this month, yeah, this month I'll give to the give to go instead of my tithe. This month I'll give to the building fund instead of my tithe. This month I'll give to this specific need of the church instead of my tithe. No, God's tithe always went to meet the needs of the temple first. And then any other special needs will be met through giving. So we got tithing, we got giving. The next word is offering. All right. And it's another word. I think we're off the rails a little bit. It's a required or voluntary gesture toward God consisting of meat, grain, or drink. And again, those are the things that God gave it or required in offerings because those were the things that people had to give in offerings. Um, when they came into the land, like I said, they didn't work commercial jobs. So money was a thing that came along a little bit later once they got to Israel, at least for as far as them being able to possess any of it anyway. Meat, they had animals, they had grain that they harvested in the field, and they had wine that they made out of the grapes that they grew on the, on the vines. Those were the areas that God required offerings. And I said required, right? So we talk about in our church a lot of times. We have the offering buckets in the back. You've heard me say it. If the offering bucket's in the back, uh, put your tithes and offerings in there. We think of tithing as what is required and offerings as what is above and beyond that. And we see in the Old Testament, the original intent of that word, it actually was not always that. Offerings were presented for three different reasons in the Old Testament. One of them was to cover up sin. One of them was to make a dedication uh, I would like to dedicate a firstborn child to the Lord. And one of those was for a fellowship offering or basically just a thanksgiving offering to say, I'm so super thankful for what God has done in my life. And here's what we're going to, we're going to, I'm just going to present this special portion of my grain to be presented as an offering. Um, 
so long, let's read, read a couple of passages and then we'll move on. Uh, Numbers chapter 15. When you arrive in the land where I'm taking you and you eat the crops that grow there, you must set aside some as a sacred offering. You must set aside some. Present a cake from the first flower you grind. There's that first fruits concept again. And set it aside as a sacred offering. As you do with the first grain from the threshing floor. First fruits again. Throughout your generations to come, you are to present a sacred offering to the Lord each year from the first of your ground flower. So again, this offering wasn't something that was, that was voluntary. There were some that were voluntary. And, and again, there's lots of passages we could look at. I'm going to freely confess. There are some offerings that are voluntary. There are some that were not, uh, especially when it came for the atonement of sin, right? That was a very serious offering that had to be met. All right. And so it's going to bring us to our next point is a sacrifice. And a sacrifice is nothing more than a meat offering. All right. Anytime it's just a subcategory of offerings. When you talk about sacrifice in the Old Testament, this word actually it's sacrifice and altar both have the same root word in it that comes from the word slaughter. All right. So it's always talking about an animal. Anytime you see sacrifice, this is not talking about, we, we think of sacrificial giving as I'm going to give and I'm going to give until it actually hurts a little bit. All right. And that's, that's not really untrue of what was happening here. Uh, because as animals were given, what do you, what do you lose when you, when you slaughter an animal? You get a freezer full, but you lose the opportunity for that animal to work for you. You lose the opportunity for that animal to continue um, to reproduce. And you lose the opportunity for, you know, if it's a sheep, you lose the opportunity for the wool that's on that sheep. You lose the opportunity of the milk that would come out of that sheep. You lose all these opportunities. Uh, so the sacrifice did cost, but, but again, the word is just talking about a meat offering. Every time you see sacrifice, you'll see it in that context of something to do with meat or a animal. All right. And so Exodus 20, 24 says it this way, build for me an altar of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep, goats, and your cattle. All right, all, all talking about animals right there. Uh, one of the things that I didn't realize um, until uh, a few years ago in talking about offerings and sacrifices, at one point I thought that these were always things that were just completely given away. All right, these, you take them to the, to, the, to the altar, the priest does what he needs to do, and everything is just consumed right there on the altar. And that's not always the case. Uh, and and I, in fact, a lot of the cases, uh, even for some of the sin offerings, there is... You, you slaughter the one animal and you take certain parts as prescribed and totally burn those on the altar. And then the rest of it is cooked and used as a meal for the priest and for the people involved in some instances. Um, so, so again, it's, that's just one of the, the interesting things. Uh, not, not that different than the way the tithe works here. You know, we, we give money to our church, but we're not totally independent from the effects of that either. There are things that are going on at our church that are beneficial for us. Uh, as we are using that to further the gospel in our community. All right, four big terms here. And there's one more term I want to look at that I think is going to tie all this together as to what we need to do with this. And that's the word obedience. Obedience simply means doing what you're told, when you're told, how you're told to do it. That's it. All of the rest of the words that we looked at, again, I, I think some of us have varying degrees of familiarity with those. They don't mean anything if we don't use this word with it, obedience. 
It's not a word we like to talk about very often in churches today. It's not a fun word to talk about. It's not a popular word to talk about. Well, I just, I don't know. I don't know what God would would have me to do. I'm still praying through it. Listen, when when God gives instructions, you don't have to pray about whether or not you should, should obey. You should. It's in black and white. There's no, there's no gray area. There's nothing to pray over. When you, when you talk about giving a 10% off the top, there's no gray area on that. When you talk about being willing to give to meet needs, there's nothing gray about that. When you see a need, it is there to be met. All right? And so we talk about obedience in terms of offerings and sacrifice. Check out what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience? to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. God tells us, I don't, you know, we've got the sacrificial system set up to atone for your sins, but what would be better is if you didn't have to use that. What would be better is if you would just obey me in the first place to do what you're told to do in the first place. So I want to, I want to use a couple of verses here to kind of tie all this together. Uh, and, 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 show how, how our obedience ties in with what we just talked about. First Corinthians eight verses one through three says, while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't know very much, but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So again, some, some, some of you that learned this verse in Awana probably know it as knowledge builds up, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. All right, this is just the New Living Translation spin on that. The one who thinks they know something doesn't know anything. But knowledge, what really counts is love. And let's check out John 14, 23, what he says about what someone who loves him will do. All who love me will do what I say. All right? So it's that knowledge that should be filled with love, which leads to obedience. Knowledge filled with love leading to obedience. All right, hang on to that. Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is a passage that came to me. Uh, I was studying it maybe a year ago. Uh, says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them. Praise God, we're not accountable for the things he hasn't told us about. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. Don't miss that. We're not accountable for the things we don't know. I shared this in the first service. If there's a planet that exists in a galaxy that's you know, two billion light years away from us that has more people that God has created on it that need the gospel of Jesus, he hasn't told us about them, okay? We have no way of knowing that. We're not accountable for reaching any people that may or may not exist on a planet that doesn't, may or may not exist. I don't know. We, we're not accountable for that. Okay, And we don't have to make up things to try to be accountable for. That's a, that's a very, very out there example. But I think there are things in our lives that we kind of make up as things, you know, does God want us to be accountable for this? Does God want me to do this? Listen, God has told us. He has given us instruction. And those are the instructions that we're accountable for. The things that he has specifically told us. Those, that's, what, that's what we have to answer to. All right, and, and there's, there's no getting around answering to those. All right, so what does my obedience look like in these areas? All right, you see on your screen, my obedience in tithing is a fundamental skill. All right, and by the way, 
We, when we think of tithing as an Old Testament principle, I, I hear this, say, Jeremiah, I know what you're saying, but tithing is Old Testament. Well, if, if it had been important to Jesus, he would have talked about it, don't you think? Mm-hmm, I do. Check out Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your little herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law like mercy and justice and faith. Well, he just said right then that it's not significant, right? He said it's not important. I disagree. Check out verse 24. He says, you should tithe. Yes. He tells them, you should do this. But don't neglect the more important things. You should tithe and be doing, seeking justice, seeking mercy, seeking faith. You should tithe and. It says, you strain your water so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What's he talking about here? These are, these are unclean animals in the law. If you read back through some of the Levitical law and what you can eat and you can't eat, the gnat and the camel are both on that list of things that you should not eat. All right? He's saying that you're very diligent to strain your water through a little filter to make sure you don't get anything in there that you shouldn't have. But yet you just willingly go out and, and indulge in, in something that is plain and obvious. It's hyperbole. He doesn't, you know, nobody's actually eating camels in, in that day. Maybe they were, I don't know. But he's saying, look, there are bigger things here, right? You should take the level of diligence that you're using with, with, with the small things and use that level of diligence in the big things as well. I said that it's a fundamental skill. And when I think fundamentals, I always go back to sports. I, I, I just, I do. Um, you, you could do the same with music and, and learning your scales. Um, in sports, I mentioned that I've got a daughter playing t-ball this year. The first four practices, we didn't do any game situations. First day we line up, we get on the foul line, we put one foot this way, we point at our target, point our glove at our target, put our arm back, and throw. And we do that for about 20 minutes. Point your foot, point your glove, and throw. And then we all take all the girls up to home plate. We don't start hitting the ball. We're not pitching the ball. We're not trying to learn if we can, can hit without the tee yet. We stand on home plate, and when the coach says go, we run to first. And then you listen to the first base coach tell you to either stay here or go to second. And we get in the habit of this running from home to first to second to third back to home. Just learning how to go in that order for about 20 minutes, each of the first four practices. It's a fundamental skill. You've got to know. When you hit the ball, you've got to know where to go. When those, when those girls turn into young ladies and they're playing on their 11th grade softball team, the coach is not going to line everybody up at home plate. All right, girls, we're going to run to first and listen to your coach. No. Why? It's because it's not important anymore, right? No, actually, it's very important to know where to run. And it's very important to know, to listen to your coach tell you what to do. But you're, it's assumed that you already know that. If you're playing high school softball, it's assumed that you know which, which direction to run around the bases. If you're playing high school softball, it's assumed that you know how to throw the ball. 
There may be some mechanics that you need to work out in the throw, but you know how to get the ball from your hand into her glove. You know those things. We don't have to spend time teaching those fundamentals. They're still very important, though. We're more worried about situational awareness at that age. you got runners on second and third with nobody out. The ball's hit here. What do you do with it? Those are the kind of things we start working on when we're in the high school softball team. We're not spending our time figuring out which direction to run the bases. When we talk about tithing, look at the verse on your screen. Jesus says, you should do this. This is still important, but listen, let's move along. We've got more things that we should be doing than counting the clippings on our herb garden to see, make sure we've got 10% of it in the pot. We should be good with that by now. Now let's move on to the things that I've really called you to do, which is to love your neighbors, have faith. Jesus not only mentions the tithe in your notes, he reaffirms it. Well, this is an Old Testament thing. Yes, it's an Old Testament thing that Jesus clearly reaffirms in the New Testament. All right? When you hear somebody say Jesus doesn't talk about tithing in the New Testament, you can point them right here. So my obedience in tithing, we talked about that. My obedience in giving is to be free and full. When I give, it's to be freely. Again, giving to meet needs as we see them. Acts chapter 4, this is the New Testament church. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land would, and houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They didn't, that, this was the model of the church. There were no needs that went unmet because people were willing to give of themselves in a way that cost them to be able to meet the needs of their brothers and sisters around them, to be able to not be an embarrassment to the cause of Christ by having a bunch of people that couldn't, that, that couldn't get around because they were starving, right? This was something that the church set up from the get-go is this model of giving. And I'm thankful for the opportunities that we have to, to invest in giving here, giving to our local needs, giving to neighborhood bridges to be able to meet tangible needs of students in Elkmont High School and Elkmont Elementary School that really need clothes so they can get to school, that really need somebody to pay their way so they can go and shine on a, on a state stage for, for a convention that they want to go to, for, for a child to be able to have a meal so that they can come to school and learn because they're not worried about being hungry. Those are needs that God has given us the opportunity to meet through our local missions partner. I'm thankful for that opportunity he's given us. Our giving is to be free and full. Our obedience and offering is to be heartfelt. Now, before we go into the next two, our offering, our sacrifice, Jesus is the final offering and sacrifice for us. All right, don't, don't, don't miss that. Jesus it has fulfilled the law. He didn't, he didn't abandon the law. He didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. He came and did everything that God said had to be done on our behalf. And then gave himself as an offering as one who fulfilled the law to cover up and, and be able to make us whole and clean again. God did that just for us in his offering. So our offerings, we talk about this. And again, I, I don't know that we're using the right term here, but we'll, we'll call it this. Uh, when we take up offerings for give to go missions, we take up offerings for someone who comes in and speaks for us. Get, take up offerings for you fill in the blank whatever need it is we have or that, we, that we're trying to meet. These, these offerings are to be heartfelt. All right? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says it this way. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. All right? Now, any, anybody who's been in a, in a Baptist church for a while knows, knows this verse very, very well. All right? And, and I have a feeling we're going to get to know it even better as we talk about the heart of giving next week. But this is not talking about the tithe to the church. All right, the context of this verse is talking about a special love offering that Paul was taking up at the church of Corinth to be able to send to the church at Jerusalem to help them out because they were in a bind. All right. That's how he can say, you, you give freely, you give cheerfully to this. All right, we should give cheerfully as our tithes as well. But this is not saying, instead of tithing, just cheerfully give whatever God has told you to give. Because this wasn't to meet the needs of their own church. This was to meet the needs of a fellow church. This is what we're doing in Give to Go. And I would encourage you on that, to give freely as God has called you, cheerfully. All right? And then finally, obedience and sacrifice is to be of myself. We don't sacrifice animals on the altar anymore. Again, Jesus fulfilled that role. So our sacrifice now looks like ourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you and let your bodies be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the way to worship him. What does it mean to sacrifice our bodies? It means to give up ourselves. Luke 9, 23, it's on your screen, says to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. Every day, it's a daily commitment. Dying to ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. Every day, every day, every day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't completely lay down what our desires are and completely seek after what the desires of God the Father are in our life. Being that living sacrifice. Not living to ourselves. Now we're living to him. It's a whole lot of notes. I don't know if I'm going to remember what all this says in the morning, to be honest with you. So what I want, what I want you to take away from this. This is a lot. This is heavy. One final thought I want to leave you with. If you're looking and you're saying, man, this, I want you to take an examination of your life, right? And find out, believer in Christ, find out if what you are doing matches up with a standard that God has put before us. I believe I've laid this out. I hope that God is removing stumbling blocks as I'm talking about this and, 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 and I'm not creating more. Evaluate your obedience to the obedience that's called for in the word that we just talked about. And if you find that it's lacking, the answer is not going to be putting more diligence in. The answer is not going to be trying harder. It's on your screen and in your notes. Biblical obedience doesn't come through changed habits. It comes through a changed life. Obeying God is never going to be something that happens on your own volition. It's only through the power of a changed life, through Christ, that this is ever going to happen. Obedience is not limited to giving, tithing, 
obedience goes beyond that. Obedience goes to following him in baptism. Obedience goes to spreading the gospel throughout the world. That's, what, that's the bigger thing that he's called us to, y'all. We, we should be so used to giving of our increase because we're on the bigger and better things. We're out intentionally investing in our communities. We're out intentionally working with missionary partners. We're out intentionally trying to reach one-on-one relationships with our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends. Spreading this gospel, the good news that God has given us and trusted us with. Check out what, what the Bible tells us in Romans 1, 5. Through Christ. Y'all circle that in your notes, in your Bibles. Highlight it in your Bible. Through Christ. Through Christ. God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done. So that they will believe and obey. Notice the order of those words. They will believe and then they will obey. First comes belief, then comes obedience. Some translations even call this an obedience of faith. There's there's nothing that I can say that is going to take someone who is not tithing and turn you into a tither. I can't do that. I don't have the power to do that, y'all. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. That comes through the power of God working in you, working through a changed heart and a changed life. And so I encourage you, if you find yourself lacking in obedience, I would, I would, I would challenge you to look and see where your faith is lacking and encourage you to seek after God in that. Seek after God in that faith. If you've never experienced the transforming faith of God, then all of this sounds like nonsense. And I encourage you to fix that problem first. Let's don't start working on symptoms. Let's get you in touch with God who can change your life, who can give you a future set on eternity in heaven with him. Let's get that problem fixed first. If you've done that and you've not been obedient in baptism, that is the first thing you need to do. Come talk to me or one of our counselors and we'll get you set up with how we can do that. And if you just don't know what you think right now, come talk to us and let us help you. Let's let's figure it out together. Don't feel like you have to figure this out on your own. We're here. We, We love you, church, and we want to help you grow as best we can. So let us know how we can do that today. Father, thank you so much for the goodness that you give us in your word. Help us to apply it. Help us to be faithful. Help us to grow in our faith and be obedient to you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you stand, we're going to sing. Come let us know how we can help you grow in your faith this morning.